Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Ben Ayton, and Katie Kirkley. And this week, with a special guest, Pete from Do Not Scratch Your Eyes, we are here to do a review of the Watford 3 Norwich City 2 match reaction. Um, the Hornets found the way back to winning. Um, found, uh, can't get my words out tonight. I uh, got back to winning ways, basically, um, after the 2 0 loss away to Leicester City last weekend. Um, we're here to give a quick review of that show. Um, but firstly, before I come to Katie, Pete, thank you very much for joining us tonight. This is your second appearance on The Voice of the Vic. I mm. think you was on a couple of seasons ago yes. um, when we were in the Premier League. So it's great to get you back on. Um, how are you doing, mate? Oh, well, first of all, thank you very much for, for having me. My pleasure to be here. Yeah, like I think like most Watford fans after last night, I kind of woke up and it was like, that was good. That was good. It showed a bit of character and we were quite happy about that. So no, mate, I'm very well. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. Good stuff. Brilliant. Um, also, quick mention as well, but yeah, fantastic work that Pete's doing with Do Not Scratch Your Eyes, along with Justin and Cole as well. Um, if, if, you, if you're if you not aware of Do Not Scratch Your Eyes, you must be living under a rock. Um, so go over to their Twitter page, check out their Twitter spaces and check out all their content. They're fantastic stuff from the boys who just narrowly missed out at the FCA's the other week in Liverpool. And I also said that I'm joined by Katie as well. Katie's doing back-to-back podcasts as well. Uh, Katie, firstly, <laughs> Thank you for helping me and Mike out the other week. Uh, me and Mike were both unavailable to do a uh, review of the Leicester City game. So you and Joe took the reins for it. So thank you very much for that. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, no, I'm good. Um, it's very nice to have lots of football straight after the other. It keeps the keeps the weeks full of entertainment. And obviously, like Pete, I was very happy after the win yesterday. So had a nice day today just thinking about that. 
Yeah, it's, it's always nice after a Watford victory, isn't it? And especially after the way we did it. Um, we'll jump straight into it. Oh, and we've got a couple of people watching already. So thank you for watching tonight. If you want to get involved in the comments section as well, we'll read out your comments during the show. Uh, Jess says hello all. And she says, oh, that's Pete from Do Not Scratch Your Eyes. Yes, it is. Um, your eyes are not deceiving you. It is Pete from Do Not Scratch Your Eyes. <laughs> Uh, so he is here with us tonight. Um, so get your questions in below if you want to get involved in tonight's show. Um, but yeah, we'll start where we normally do first, and it will be the team news for Watford. So Watford made two changes to the team that um, lost 2-0 away to Leicester City at the weekend. Out when um, Daniel Batman, obviously, with, after picking up two yellow cards, and he had a one-game suspension, so he came out the side. And also uh, Tom Ince came out of the side, and in came... Ismail Kone. Um, Katie, what was your initial thoughts on the starting lineup? Um, I was happy. I think also Esprilla came in as well. Um, but he, yeah, I was happy that um, those changes were made. Obviously, the Backman one was pretty much like, can not do that. But yeah, I was happy to see Kone come in and oh my God, what a game he had. I thought he was really promising at uh, Leicester. And I literally said in the um, Leicester review that I really wanted to see him start because I thought that he brought a lot of energy and that he did do and yeah I thought he was excellent um same with the spiller I thought he was excellent as well really driving forward um so yeah I was happy with the team yeah, same with me as well. We did our predictions um, in our WhatsApp group before we went out. And I, I think I pretty much got it spot on apart from one change. I said I would have made Bio come in um, for Ryovic as well because I kind of wanted a little bit more energy up top because um, you know what Ryovic is going to do. He's not going to move unless it's in that six-yard box. Um, but that, that's his office, isn't it? And he, 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 he does what he needs to in that area. But um, Pete, what did you make of that starting lineup? I was glad to see Kone in, as we said. I thought I thought bringing Loser in sent the wrong signal because Kone in the previous like block of games after the previous international break had really kind of, he, he, he'd stepped up and stepped up and stepped up and he just seemed to be iteratively improving all the time. And I, I you know, I, I appreciate that somebody like Loser, it, he can polarise people because I was having a chat with with, with John Parslow, uh, you know, kind of uh, via text during the game and at half time, And he said, well, actually, I think he's worked hard. He shut down. He's done this. Yeah. And, it, and it was like, well, I'm looking at it completely different. But that's the beauty of the game. You can, everybody can watch the same game, but have a different a different kind of opinion. I just think when, when you bring Kone in, he tries to drive forward with a little bit of urgency and he tries to put those those swift passes forward. And of course, yesterday, yesterday was, was really, for me at least, was, was the catalyst um, you know, for, for coming back because that that kind of game changed on a moment. So I was pleased to see him. I'm, I was pleased to see Espria. I, 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 Tom Ince is, is is an interesting one because um, if if you look, he got nine goals and something like five assists last last season. And when you're selling Yao Pedro and you're selling Saar, you've got to ask where are the goals and the assists coming from. So that's a useful thing to have. And he's got that. But I, I think Espria gives us again almost what what Katie was saying there, a different kind of energy. And you tend mm. to kind of go up on the edge of your seat a little bit more with Espria than you do with the um kind of uh, you know astute professionalism that you get from from Tom Ince in fairness to him. You know, he he he's no bad option to have, but I think, you know, out of a squad that has got an awful lot of impact subs, if you like, I think we're starting to see players actually go I think I could make a difference from the start. And I think Kone can do that more than Loser. And I think Espria can do that more than more than Tom Ince at this moment in time. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I think with the, the difference between Tom Ince and Yasser Espria for me is Tom Ince looks like the kind of character who roll up his sleeves and put in like a workhorse performance away from home when you need to keep like the, the defensive work and, and, and the high press where you might not get that as much with Yasser Espria, but you know, you you get the work and um, the work in from um, Tom Ince. But home games, I think that's, that's where Yasser Espria comes into his own. And he's more direct, and because obviously at home we we have more possession, don't we? So it's more chance for Yester Espria to get onto the ball and work his magic. So that that's a massive plus. And do you see that as well, Pete? That's probably why Yester's maybe getting came back in for the home game, and and Tom Ince has played the away games. Very possibly, I think. I think in part it's about rotation and trying trying to keep them fit. Um, actually, you know, in fairness, whilst I thought Ince was. Uh, personally, I, I thought he was he was quiet, but you would have that at, at Leicester. He still created that chance for for, for Rivic that went on his right and kind of went away. And he he did he by putting in a, a a different kind of cross, the same kind of thing he did at Coventry for Rivic's first goal when he kind of actually puts it on his right. And we all know that's not his preference, but he's you know he's he's confident and competent enough to do that. So I think he's doing that. But I just think perhaps with Aspria, he's got the crowd, you know, they'll back him uh, at home a little bit more. Um, and he kind of maybe maybe feeds off of that a little bit. And uh, they're, they're two different kind of players because Aspria is, is, is a little bit more, um, yeah, he's a bit tidy, but his, his real moments come in moments. You know, I mean, the goal was a, was a great example, you know, where, where he does something out of the ordinary, whereas Tom Ince can go for for 90 minutes and just, as you say, just do the professional, solid, self-sacrificing thing. And I think, you know, last night we ended up seeing uh, seeing uh, Ishmael not make substitutes until really, really late because actually he kind of had the confidence in the players who were on the pitch to try to make the difference and get across the line, which, of course, in the end they did, which is great. Yeah, definitely. And um, uh, some more comments floating through as well. Alan Lefwell, um, contributor to Do Not Scratch Your Eyes Twitter Spaces. Uh, Evening all still buzzing about the performance and the manner of the victory last night. Um, also says it's also nice to be listening to Pete and not hammering it up the M1. And hello to fellow Leicester resident, Katie. Um, Mike says, Espria for me, not someone who should be playing from the start for me. Um, Espria comes on to get bums off seats um so that's impact, impact sub. But, um, that's, that's the way that a lot of these a lot of these players are, are kind of we're, we're seeing them kind of disappointing at the start but come on and, and raise energy i can understand why you would use them in either way yeah no definitely and i think that's probably why we've not seen martin so much lately as well maybe val's wanted to keep him as maybe a card to play off the bench to inject that little bit of pace but that's a strange one isn't it katie obviously we all rate Martin's very highly and we're maybe a little frustrated that he's not getting the game times but do you want to see maybe more of him and do you think that he should maybe be getting, knocking on the door and getting into his starting 11? I do however I, I don't know where you put him in the team there isn't really like you have to drop someone for him to come in and I don't think anyone is really unworthy of being dropped like you can't really drop Semma unless there's there's no reason to do that as much as I would I do want Martins to play and I think when he has come on he's given that energy I think he does work more as an impact sub like when he comes on at like 60 minutes it's a lot better whereas like Ken like we said he's one of those like quite composed for 60 minutes and then he could come off however 
I just don't see how the formation would work if you put him in because there's there's no one who I would take out for him. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think he's just got to bide his time. He'll get his opportunity again. It's just, it, it's difficult. I think Val's found his, his starting eleven now, hasn't he, really? He's, after months of trying to find that solution, I think he, well, he's definitely found that midfield three, which would work in the treat for Watford. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But let's dive straight into it. But, but let's talk about the match. Let's talk about that opening 15 minutes. Um, I, I know we've, we were probably all dreading it when we all agreed to come onto this podcast yesterday and we was like, I know I was, it was 2-0 down. I was like, I wish we didn't agree to do that podcast tomorrow night, but what what would turn it around um, afterwards? But let's talk about it. It it took three minutes for Norwich to find the back of the net. And for me, Pete, I I was a little bit disappointed. I felt it was self-inflicted a little bit. Jamal Lewis lost it on the halfway line. And then um, Norwich won the ball and they drove to the box. We, We put it out for a corner and, it was, you know, what Watford likes lining up for set pieces this season. We looked vulnerable um, before this goal. We conceded eight goals from set pieces this season, but a, a good delivery into a box and Danny Bath rised above everyone else to make it one nil Norwich. And it was the ninth goal Watford had conceded, and it's the most in the championship by any side. This zonal marking system, Pete, <laughs> yeah. does it do your head in? <laughs> Um, I, I personally, I hate it. The reason I hate it is because the the concept of, of zonal, and you can have zonal, and you can have man marking, and you can have a hybrid of the two. The problem is, is that you kind of start deep to go and try and attack the ball, but of course you're not controlling where the ball is delivered. Um, you know, and as with this one, it's delivered into the six yard box. So good luck getting a run on that, and and actually trying to get ahead on it because you've got literally like four yards to get your, your pace up and they've got, well, they've got a hundred yards to run up if they want to take it. The, the other, the other issue is as you, this picture actually shows really nicely is literally at the back there. Now you could say that Ryovich is actually, you know, kind of picking up on Bath and he, he's kind of lost him and he has, but that basically means that, you know, what happens there is you've got Andrews effectively with three there at the back. We always cluster underneath the near post. And if they put a ball to the far post, and this also happens to us in open play in fairness, but especially with this zonal marking, if players move into somebody else's zone, it allows a player to go, well, that's not my zone. If you're man marking, you go, that's my man. And it makes the accountability and you, know, you don't want it, you don't want it to be a blame situation but this is this is results orientated football that's the honest truth of it it's you lost your man or you yeah. didn't you know you didn't pick up that whereas this is kind of oh well he moved from my zone into that so well the zones aren't marked you know it's not it's not precise and at the end of the day what you need to have is somebody who is physically dominant in that particular area you know to, to be able to uh, kind of try to try to dominate it in the 90s we went and signed a, a lad called Colin Foster who was about six foot eight or something ridiculous and he, he, he was just one of those players that the ball would come on onto his head almost gravitationally pulled if you've got somebody like that that's brilliant in this instance look who we've got already underneath the ball you've got Porteous who's kind of dominant Hoot's actually not even in the picture he's so far in the near post we've got to get a balance right there and what you've got to try to do is allocate if you are going to do man marking you've got to make sure that you're putting the size the right size up against them if you remember the other week I think it was against Millwall uh, when they got the, 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 the corner goal and it was loser 
was trying to stop um, the other centre-back. I can't remember what his name was, but he was basically a, a unit and loser was trying to stop him for all he was worth. So you've got to, you've got to make sure that you're, you're giving allocation to free, you know, free kicks and set pieces and mark, you know, kind of bringing people together who need to, uh, to be the right person against the right opponent. Otherwise it, all goes in balance, and that's what we've seen this season. I thought, though, we'd gone and got a former Tottenham set-piece coach who'd come in a few weeks ago and was going to be looking at this. So, uh, uh, so far, uh, yeah, not much improvement. Yeah, I, I was going to mention that as well. I, I heard something about a new um, set-piece coach potentially coming in from Spurs, but yeah. I never heard any official word on it, and it kind of went quiet afterwards. I don't know wh- where it was first reported, um, but it's, I, I agree, Pete. It's a bit of a mismatch, isn't it? Like, Pete, there's players in zones, but surely if you, if you see like a, like a really tall player standing in the zone where and, Andrews is, for example, you'll be like, right, okay, who? We need you to go back into that area because it, it's a mismatch. It just seems like there's no common sense when it comes to set pieces for Watford. Like a lot of things, it's still unfamiliar to a lot of players to get it done and it needs a lot of drilling in and especially if it is this kind of hybrid thing because if you think about it if you're going to take all of your bigger players and your better headers and you're going to put them on the line and they're going to run out six yards and then try and jump against people who are moving as quickly as they can with with kind of pre-prescribed areas as to where the ball's going to go pre-prescribed patterns that you have to react to you don't have that advantage if you are man marking then what you are doing it's it's just the old thing about you know the ball might go or you might go but both won't and you'll kind of be able to block the run and make make some kind of even if you don't win it when I was coaching my old phrase was you know even if you don't win it 100% if you stop the opposition getting on it 100% you've done your job so you don't have to necessarily win the header but providing your body shape and your body position and and your and your strength with him is stopping him winning at 100% it can make a huge difference to uh, uh, to the quality of the header that they can get in and that that happens all over the pitch Definitely. And um, Adam Lathwell says, I'll never accept zonal marking space, never scored a goal. Players do. Um, yeah. I couldn't have said it any better. And Katie, we've, we've always talked on zonal marking and the news of Watford being conceding the most goals from set pieces now in the league. Are you looking for a, a change of style now, like a change from Valerie Ishmael to go maybe man marking? For the games coming ahead now, because surely we can't stick at something where we're, we're leaking goals in. Yeah, I think I've never been a fan of zonal marking anyway. I think it doesn't really work. Um, and I think that we would have to kind of look at this and go, actually, we are conceding so many goals from set pieces. And it is just about, oh, there's like three players who are just open goal, like no one's looking at them. And that is where we really see the struggle. So I would hope that after this weekend, you even though we came, after not this weekend, uh, yesterday, you would still come out of that and be like, okay, what can we work on? Even though we won, where were where were the issues? And it was in the set pieces and this zonal marking that isn't really working. Yeah, well, it didn't get any better for Watford. Um, roll on nine mi- minutes. Um, and Norwich had a second goal. Um, I'm probably going to butcher his name. Is it Juan who? Joe, um, he looking at this picture, it looked like he had the freedom of Vicarage Road. And watching it, when when he pulled his right foot back to hit this ball, I was thinking, what on earth are you attempting this shot from the distance here? Um, but obviously, he knew better than me. Um, but 
again, Pete, I think it's another avoidable goal from Watford. Ryan Porteous plays a, a really loose ball into midfield, trying to find Jake Livermore. It was waywards. And then Norwich quickly spun it to Juan. And then he just released this fierce shot from 35 yards. And it, it kind of went straight at Ben Hamer, uh, Hamer. But I don't know whether the ball moved and that's unsighted him. And, he, and that's why it beat him. But... Where, where do you put maybe the blame down for this goal for, for Watford? Well, I mean, obviously we're all happy and, and pleased that the game finished as it was. But I think everybody at 20 past eight yesterday was going, you know, kind of hanging their head. And as you said earlier on, oh, my God, we've got a podcast to do. Um, <laughs> on, the, on, on the Twitter spaces, on the phone-in that we did afterwards, Terry came on and said uh, that his, his son had described it as a knuckleball. And it's the kind of – it's almost where you hit the ball on, on the air valve. Um, you know, it's, it's an old set piece kind of thing where because you're hitting it, the, the, the flight of the ball may be kind of a little bit inconsistent or at least it flew that way because I'm, I'm sitting in the family stand, so I'm down the far end from it. But it certainly looked to be moving, you know, in the, the, the flight of the ball as it was going. I think Hamer, uh, he, he, I, 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 undoubtedly, he should have done better because it wasn't it was so far out. He had an opportunity to do so, but he just kind of it. He just every goalkeeper when they make a mistake it's going to cost you a goal um, and therefore you're going to, you're going to note it. It's almost, it's almost a little bit like zonal marking. When you concede a goal, we all talk about zonal marking, but we don't kind of count the ones that are man marking. If a defender makes a, pulls a rick and it leads to a goal, yeah, okay, we'll think about it. But when the goalkeeper does it, it's so blindingly obvious. And, uh, and, and this one, I think he could have done better, but I think he got uh, some, some movement on the ball and it may well have involved the, uh, the actual kind of, uh, the, the 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 valve needle kind of uh, kind of being struck pretty pure. It was a great strike from the lad, and he was causing us no end of problems because he was pacey. And when he went off, that helped uh, a great deal indeed. Yeah, no, definitely did. He he actually injured himself off the back of that strike as well. He um, he ended up going off minutes later, didn't he? Um, which probably played into what the tans a little bit because he did look like a handful player when he was on the pitch. Um, but Katie, what were you thinking? Um, at 20 past eight last night when it was 2-0. It was probably the worst Watford performance, opening performance I've seen for, well, it's been bad for about two, three seasons, but it's up there with those performances two, three seasons ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I was ready to turn it off. Like, I was like, <laughs> oh, I'll give it a few more minutes and I'll turn this off because I was the Bake Off final was on as well. So I was watching oh, the Bake Off no, final. And watching the Bake Off, off. was it? <laughs> so I was like, okay, well... I'm gonna watch Bake Off. I'm not watching this. Like we're rubbish. And then I was like, I'll give it. I'll give it like ten more minutes. Or I'll watch till half time, and then I'll turn it off. And then obviously when we went and scored, I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll carry on. But yeah, I was I was very disappointed with the performance and with just scoring so, so them scoring so early on, and especially because the goals were just disappointing from the team. Like the first goal was some of the worst defending I've ever seen. Again, yeah. like Pete said, that uh, Hamer really should have done better for that goal. I think, you know, it didn't, obviously, yeah, it's a tough one to save, but I really didn't look like he, he probably could have got a little bit more just to tip it over. It kind of only went in just, and I just thought, you know, he had a lot of time, but yeah, I was, I was not happy at 20 minutes. I was texting my dad and he was trying to get the Sky Sports app to work or something and he was like oh I can't even get it to work I was like don't bother don't bother <laughs> I mean it was at that point 
we were the general passing, which, as you said, kind of in the build up to that, we were giving it away left, right and centre. Um, and, and there came a couple of moments which were, were, I mean, obviously the goal is a catalyst, you know, the the, the Kone goal, which we'll get on to. But there, there were a couple of moments and one of them was KMB had the ball and he tried to pass it and missed his player by about 15 yards. And it was the first time, bearing in mind we were 2-0 down, when the crowd reacted and kind of went, no, come on, this is this is really, really isn't good enough. This isn't professional enough. And that that was a catalyst in, in the negative. And then there was a crunching tackle from uh, from Jake Livermore. And it was like, it was kind of a little bit like, occasionally Deeney would do these and get sent off, if you remember, if anybody remembers uh, Swansea once, I think it was, or Huddersfield, one of the two. Yeah. You know, but it's one of those, no, we're not just going to take this line down. We're going to kind of fight back. Um, and, th- and then it sort of turned. And suddenly the passing, I'm not saying it was perfect by any means. We were still kind of, you know, uh, who especially was having a, a, a difficult passing game, it seemed, like yesterday. Mm-hmm. But suddenly things started to click. But for that first, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes, it was as bad as we have seen for a very, very long time. But you know, th- those moments, though, those crunching tackles or, you know, even a reaction to go, no, this isn't good enough, Edo. You know, you can do better than that. If we see some character from the players actually reacting as we end up doing, well, that's no bad thing. Yeah, we we, we struggled to get onto the ball. We couldn't put two, three passes together. And then I've just had a look. It was 18 minutes when uh, Jake Livermore picked up that yellow card. But that, that was the, the switch then, wasn't it? That was when, OK, boys, enough's enough. We're getting bullied here. Let's just put something on them a little bit and show the, the fans that we're, we're up for a fight. And that, Jake Livermore pulled up his sleeves. And then it, it was 29 minutes on the clock and Watford actually had their first shot on target. It was Lewis um, had an effort from outside the, the box. Um and, and the goalkeeper long parried it and, and Kone was um, quick to follow it up. But um, unfortunate for him, his rebound was um, saved by the keeper. But it didn't um, take too much longer for Kone to get his first goal for Watford. In fact, it was a couple of minutes. And Pete, I've spoken about Kone a few times on the podcast and I, I feel like his, his performances of late have been getting better and better. And I'm pulling it down to all the consistency of playing week in, week out now. Uh, we all know that he missed the Huddersfield game due to lateness and he, he'll be kicking himself about because he really got into the team and was showing his um, showing in Ranluza how to how to actually do like a, a full performance. But yesterday again, Kona was outstanding, wasn't he, Pete? And it took his goal so well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we forget, you know, you know, this is this is a young man, you know, who's who switched continents. Um, he's still only about 18 months into his professional career and um, ha- having worked with kind of development areas and younger players, sometimes the last thing you end up seeing is consistency because you'll see it in fits and starts, but trying to keep it against different opposition and re- repeating it day in, day out is difficult. But he's absolutely what you said there. He's just stepping and stepping and stepping. And we saw such an improvement through that last block between the international breaks there that it it, it was really something um i know that um from you know you can call it a rumor but I, I heard it from somebody very much in the know that when chris wilder came in he basically kind of said look you're 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 gonna figure strongly you're gonna really be there and the next day he didn't turn up because he basically was you know up till too late and kind of you know not not partying or anything just playing games you know kind of on and didn't make it in 
and that speaks to the culture that has been there and he's done it again this season but this time we've got a manager who is at least being invested in by the club i.e at least being kept on and he looks like exactly that that he is turning it around and and doing it on the pitch because that's where it matters if you do it on the grass in many ways it doesn't really matter what you do elsewhere because people will keep you there the problem is we've had people who've been misbehaving and not performing on the grass and that just is not compatible with each other now i think i think he's really starting we've really starting to see something with him we're starting to see him burst in front of you know seasoned uh championship midfield players and start to not quite but start to get a grip on games um and i appreciate there's that there's the goal there that's the catalyst but He's done it in other games as well when he's come on as a sub before and he's got the ball and his forward passing is really something. And I think we see the best of Kone when we have Ken Semmer on the on the pitch. And the, the reason being is that Martins is right-footed and is always looking to cut inside. And the other side, you've got left-footed Tom Ince or left-footed Despria. They're looking to cut inside. A lot of the time when he picks up the ball, especially from the left side. He does that little reverse ball out to a wide player, i.e. Ken, or or in this case, also Lewis yesterday, overlapping. If we're constantly cutting inside, we reduce his passing options and his range. And if you think about last night, how many times he was especially, but putting little diagonal balls into the byline for those two guys especially to run onto and then to feed the ball in with an outswinging uh, cross, which is what Ryevich needs in order to, to thrive and survive. I think for me, his improvement makes it harder for Martins to get back in the side. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, with his improvements as well, it's it's, it's obviously it's, it's keeping Imran loser on the bench as well. Um, he, he's, and, and Tom Delhi as well. Remember, start the season, Tom Delhi, that, that, that was his spot. And I think one of the games you've just kind of mentioned a little bit, it was um, Tom Delhi was playing the first half. Kone came on second half and he just injected that bit of pace and creativity and vision. And it was just like, okay, it's quick. He's moving the ball quicker than Tom Delhi. And I just love the the vision that he's got as well. I put him in the same category as Yasser Espria, where I think they, they could pass a ball through the slightest angle which no one else in the Watford shirt can find. I, I just think he's he so gifted, Kone, and we're, we're seeing the improvement from him now. And talking about consistency as well, that's about goals for Kone now. He scored for Canada on the weekend against Jamaica. Um, he's now scored for Watford. He almost got a second goal as well, hitting the crossbar. That was, that was so unlucky. So he's finding that consistency now, and now it's just improving isn't it and, and i know katie but he's obviously very young and we need to keep a level head with isman kona not to put too much pressure on him but it's in the, the signs we're seeing from him is it's encouraging isn't it yeah i sung very high praise of him on saturday against leicester and i said that when he came on it was almost like we had, had this energy in midfield and i was like saying how i wish that if we had not been a goal down, it might have been a different story in the end. And then in the first, like, 20 minutes yesterday, I put out a tweet saying, like, is Kone ever going to be able to keep the ball or something? Like, how he was not doing well. He just kept losing the ball every time he got it. And then it was, like you said, after that, like, 20, 30 minutes, it was like a different player. You know, he was always driving forward always looking for that forward pass. He's so quick in that midfield where um, 
like Tom Ince isn't always and stuff. I think he he honestly like he has really stepped up, and I think it just shows what Val is doing because I look at this team and I think we actually have good players, but these are players that people would have said at the start of the season they're rubbish. They're rubbish. They haven't. They can't prove themselves. Every single player has proved themselves in the last month or two. I feel like we're really seeing each player at their best and I feel like that all comes down to how Val is treating them and the way that he's got rid of all the old bad habits that they had before and we're really seeing that on the pitch I think we are really seeing a change side but it's actually really refreshing because I think Kone like he's really stepped up and I think he could go all the way I think he's one of the best midfielders we've had in a long time Yeah, but the last couple of performances I've been looking at him, and I'm like, he's probably he's up there with one of the most talented players we've got in the squad, potential wise. Um, he's up he's up there with Yasser Espria for me. Um, but we'll we'll talk about the second goal now, and I want to talk about just following on a little bit from what Katie's talking about there, um, Pete, and it's the character and mindset and the change of attitude for what the players were seeing this season compared to last season because. Last season, if we were 2-0 down after 15 minutes, well, good example, okay, we weren't 2-0 down. Um, sorry, a good example was the, the Cardiff home game last season. We took the lead, took our foot off the gas. Cardiff scored quick goals in quick succession and then, and, and then it went downhill from there. This season, we've, we've seen that change of attitude now. Is that what's in... Are you impressed with the change of attitude? And is that all down to Valerie Ishmael and and the discipline maybe is setting with the club. It's always difficult because goals change games fundamentally. I mean, it's a, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason because it's because it, it's true. So that that goal from Kone brings us back in, and what you saw was a team because up until the start of the game yesterday, Norwich had scored thirty, but they conceded thirty two. Um, and we conceded about 22, 20, something like uh, in that in that kind of number, you know, considerably more over the small number of games we played. And therefore, you suddenly saw a bit of a chink in in their confidence. But you suddenly saw us go, ah, we, we've all seen games, you know, go like a swingometer, you know, in terms of confidence and, you know, a, a dreadful half one, you know, after after 45 minutes, you know, second half comes and it, it goes another way. That, that's that's been part of it. But I do like the fact that, you know, they could have gone two ways here. And as you absolutely say, and a lot of people came on the spaces last night and said, this time last year, that lot last year would have just basically gone, oh, well, that's gone. That's gone and it, it's not coming back, is it? And and, and I, I don't mean to just talk about money, but what, what we've got here is a far less expensively assembled or la- less assembly, kind of uh, expensive wage bill, and they're actually turning it round. I think what we've also done is bring the average age down. You're now looking at players who've got something to try to play for because, you know, Ryovic, for all the fact that he doesn't do very much outside the penalty box, where it counts, he's really count. You know, he's really making it. He's really making it count, and he'll he'll want to go on to score goals and move on and get at a higher level. There's nothing wrong with that, but you know that's where they've that's where they've got to see it, and it, they have to take confidence from that moment of turning it around. And as I say, there was the moment where um, you know uh, Livermore went in. You know, a, a, an old head. You know, somebody who we were debating about, you know, the captain's armband, obviously after the stuff in the Watford Observer. Does 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 he does he warrant it, the, the armband? Probably. Does he need it? 
probably not because he's already doing that role in the, in the midfield. Yeah. There was a wonderful moment which I picked out where Ashley Barnes, who is, you know, crikey, Hogwarts master of the dark arts, if ever there was one, bounced off of him, which was a beautiful thing to see. And, and he seemed to actually have in the middle of the park almost like an element of confidence, almost radiating from him. Him and Kone, Kayembe sorted himself out and had a much better second half, and then it sort of moved forward. It, fundamentally, it comes down to paying attention, being turned on, and doing the basics right from the very, very start. If you can get that going, then you're going to get a foothold in the game. But what this young man here does is he gives us a chance if we can put a decent delivery into the box. And this is, again, why it's going to be harder for um, you know young Martins to get back in. Because, again, you've got to deliver a ball that is outswinging from the goalkeeper rather than swinging into him, which Martins is going to do. Martins isn't going to get to the byline and then use his left. In this particular instance, it was uh, Semmer and it was Lewis and it's an outswinging goal, uh, an outswinging uh, uh, cross. And we've seen how effective he can be in just getting there, just in front of the uh, the centre-back. So with that, that's why Martins is going to find it very hard or he has to go and switch wing and look for an opportunity to kind of go, right, I'm going to, going to try and be an orthodox winger as well. So, a great level of uh, uh, change in, in confidence or determination when they were down. I think, as I say, that, that ball out from Ed AKMB and everybody going, no, this is no good, boo. They needed that. They needed that rocket at that moment. And the team from last season would have wilted and just gone, oh, well, it's another one and I'm not connected to this and I'm going to be going back on loan you know, to, to my parent club or what have you. This lot didn't, and fair play to them. Yeah, no, it does look like we've got a bunch of players that actually care now and obviously they care for themselves and they care about football club. Like you've just mentioned, Rivich is probably here. He wants to do well, do well for the club, but he also wants to try and get himself like to the biggest stage possible in his footballing career. And and that's what we want. We want hungry players and to, to be able to play to his strengths now as well uh, by playing those um, outswinging balls into the box, like coming from the left-hand side from Lewis and um, Semmer instead of cutting in on the right foot and swinging it in. So he's not, he can't attack the ball that way, but with an outswinging ball, he can attack it. And, and he showed yesterday and he's so deadly in that six yard box, isn't it, Katie? And I, I know he rubs up, up fans the wrong way because maybe we want to see a bit more from our centre forward, maybe be a bit more physical, bully the central defenders, link up play, um, press the goalkeeper maybe a little bit more. But at the end of the day, he's the number nine striker and he's got seven goals this season and he costs 1.3 million. He's not doing too bad, is he? No, every game I literally say, like, he's so bad, he's so bad. After the Leicester game, I was again saying, like, he was so disappointing. Like, he shouldn't play. I And again, I thought that, Bayer should have started because I was thinking, oh my God, like if he played like Leicester, he's just awful. Um, but it's so weird. I think there was a stat or something where it was like he had more goals than like completed passes or something yeah. in one game or something. I was literally like, <laughs> that is so, he's such a funny player. Like I can't believe he literally can do nothing, but he still scores. But fair enough. Like, if you're going to score a goal, you can be in the team. Like, you don't have to do anything else. And that's what he does do. And out of all the chances that come in, all it takes is just one, and he will get on the end of it. And we've seen that happen so many times. And he is, he as much as he is, doesn't really do a lot, he is quite key to this team. And we've seen it when it works, and it does work. Him and Ken, that link-up, it's, it's really, it's something special. 
No, it really is. And I, 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 I yeah, I, I'm starting to like him more because I know what he brings to his team. We just need to play to his strengths. But he seems like a great guy off the pitch as well. There's been a couple of interviews with Watford on YouTube lately as well. And he did an interview last week and he comes across really well. And he's got like a really good like smile on his face as well. Like he, he he's really happy to be here because obviously he's playing like the third tier in Sweden a couple of seasons ago. So to be playing in the championship, like one of the biggest leagues in, in the world, it's a big step up for him and, and he's from a new country and he, he's going to take time to adapt. And if, if if he's still adapting, he's got seven goals and I can't wait for him to be fully adapted. Um, but I did think that was probably a better performance I've seen from Ryovic. I did see him to get a little bit more involved yesterday. He was getting involved in the link-up play. He was actually hustling the defenders to win balls in the air and yeah, I must say, credit where credit's due. He did impress me yesterday. Um, but Watford went in half-time, 2-2. Um, much better 45 minutes in the end for Watford. Ended the, the half strongly. If anything, I don't think Watford wanted the half-time whistle to come because we, we was on the up. We had the momentum. And um, Norwich were on the back foot. I think they really struggled to get any kind of possession really after that um Pete we kind of knocked the wind out of them at half time didn't we well uh, again another observation was the fact that um how how quickly in terms of tempo Norwich started the game I can't remember who brought it up but it was an absolute valid point was um I think it was Brett actually who, who came in and said you know they they started so fast and we couldn't kind of match them and therefore a lot of that passing going awry, awry was the fact that they were under pressure you know almost constantly but Norwich couldn't keep it up and they kind of slowly blew themselves out over the over the half and then of course you get that that first goal back and as I say, you then saw that 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 uh, that tilt in terms of both confidence and in terms of you know kind of the number of passes that were going on because by the end of the game, I think we'd had close to kind of three times more passes than they had because we'd had the ball and we're knocking it and keeping it. And of course, it you, you get knackered when you're running without the ball far more than if you've you know if you're in if you're in possession and you're looking to create because just mentally it's very fatiguing. Yeah, definitely. And I think the message at half-time, Katie, from Valerie was probably to, just um, to carry on testing the, the Norwich back line and, and goalkeeper and to keep continue the shots because that's what I noticed yesterday as well. Watford were taking a lot of shots and I think they had 21 shots in total in that game. But second half, they came out and it, it was they carried on from where they left off. It was um, Andrews had a deflected cross that almost went in and I was listening to your Twitter spaces, Pete, and for that, you, you, you just want a a Watford shirt to follow that up, really. It was a bit static, wasn't it? I don't think they was expecting the, the cross to maybe de- be deflected and um, the keeper to, to parry it like that. But it, you've it's got hard to be so the, the old adage was because you used to be striking in partners, you know, Ross Jenkins and Luther Blissett be the, the obvious ones that everybody remember, but, you know, a, a whole host who would be working in partnership and if one was shooting the other one would be positioning himself to see if a spill was happening now we're playing this 4-3-3 you've got a solitary striker he's having to play with his back to goal a lot in Ryovic's case he's not that confident or indeed competent at doing that yet we hope he improves but it's it's rather hard to basically be following in 
from absolutely everywhere and be the only person who who's doing that so i can i can kind of un- understand it but it's a basic tenant if if the goalkeeper is gonna gonna spill it it you know do what we have not done all season all over the pitch very well win the second ball it's spilling off the goalkeeper it's still a second ball first to it you you've got a chance to win the prize and we didn't in the first one and of course you know that that's actually where the where the winning goal actually came from um you know almost uh, uh you know an amazing amount of uh, uh, of goals or rather uh, shots being attempted which was which is really pleasing to see and if you are going to try that you know then somebody has to be following up and then you know the number 8 or the or the far sided winger has to be prepared to kind of uh, make that work unfortunately for us somebody did yeah no definitely um katie um it got to 60 minutes and there was no substitution from um, Val. Um, it's normally trademark, isn't it? It's normally a double substitution or triple substitution where he tries to maybe inject a bit of pace or just change it up a little bit. But we didn't see that yesterday. Did that take you by surprise? Yeah, I was thinking, well, the second half, I thought we were a lot more like doing a lot better. And I didn't, I wasn't worried that like, you know, Norwich didn't see a lot of the ball, but I was thinking it's it, it's getting late in the game. Like, we need to make a sub now because all it might take is, like, one mistake that comes from, I don't know, players being tired and that will slip up. And I was just thinking, we, we're still on the front foot. I wasn't worried, but I was thinking, I wasn't thinking we're going to score like this because <clears throat> I knew it was coming, but I thought maybe we need fresh legs to help bring that on. Um, so I, I was a bit concerned when there was no substitution made till, like, I'm not sure if I think it was like the 80th minute or something. Um, so I was a bit like worried, but you know, we, we did well in the end, but it was different because he had changed up from what he has done, like every single game. So I was like, it's weird when he does something different. Yeah. He gave faith to the players on the pitch, didn't he? He stuck to the game plan and he was, he, he knew what he wanted from him and he knew if I kept on knocking on that door, I was going to find the back of the net. Um, Mike Duffy says, Lou Orns made a good observation pre-match saying that George Long didn't cope with shots low down to his side. Kone proved just that. Test the keeper. Um, and he certainly did in that first half. And it was Watford found the back of the net and it was um, in the... When was it? It was... I can't even find the minute of the game now. It was 77 minutes. Um, yes, it Spreer. Great feat, Pete, wasn't it, to, to find the back of the net. And I joke with my six-a-side football team because I, I do a bit of a ball run whenever a roll, whenever I'm one-on-one with a goalkeeper. But it's six-a-side. You, you can mess around and try bits and pieces like that. But I wouldn't have a ball to try that in a stadium full of people. But fair play from Yasuo Spria. Like, anyone else if that falls to, they'll just have a shot on tar- a target to try and beat the keeper. But to have the balls to take it round the keeper and find the back of the net is just just sublime how impressed was you with um yes's technique bearing the ability to do what he did in, in and over that moment i mean it was exceptional it was it was excellent but i think you know kind of almost re- reversing back a little bit you know who taking that shot uh, and again yeah. it comes back to what luke has said there which is he he, he struggled it, he kind of spilt it again um and it spilled out he got onto it had the calmness and the reassurance and it's where we come back to players like Aspria or like Saar being players of moments. You're not necessarily going to see them involved 90 minutes of the game doing the hard work, but at the at the cutting edge, that's where they might actually kind of show the difference. And bearing in mind that, you know, the, the game, you know, had that moment not happened, we, we would be having a very different discussion. And you look at the, the 
the, the passing and the stats and the possession. And you go, no, that win was warranted. It absolutely was deserved. And it was. But you still need somebody to be able to buy a ticket and win the raffle. And, you know, the lad did that. And at such a young age, again, in a, I keep, keep coming back to going, oh, wow, they're, they're in a foreign country. I mean, a lot of the you know, footballers are. But for him to do that, at his age, show that kind, kind of calm assurance. He's always had the technique. We've seen that there. But he's yeah. also starting to... Do a little. He seems to have gone on the uh, the Yasser Espria diet a little bit. Uh, sorry, on the uh, on the Yao Pedro diet a bit. He just seems to be getting a core level of strength now. He's kind of do, maybe developing into a, uh, slightly more of a man's body rather than you know he, he was incredibly young and and, and slight. Um, but two years in the championship will toughen you up, and it looks like it might be starting to do him some good. And he's, he's coming out the other end. But no, what a, what a talent! We'll just see uh, one how long we keep him, and secondly, exactly how much he can do along the way. Fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely. And you can see in this photo here, you can see that he, he looks like he's bulked up a tiny bit, hasn't he? Mm. Um, so he has gone on that Jal Pedro diet. He's, he's not looking like actually young on his debut for Watford, where the shirt wouldn't fit him. Um, so, yeah, you, you can definitely see that. And it's, it's great to see the rewards for Yasser as well, Katie. That was his third goal of the season for Watford as well. So he is contributing it with goals now. But this is what we're seeing again from youngsters getting consistency of playing regularly. And we're seeing rewards with Yasser, aren't we? Honestly, like, you can't hate him. Like, he's just so cute. Like, honestly, <laughs> I just love him. Like, like, I literally just love him. And I feel like it is so rewarding what he does on the pitch. And every time I watch the, watch the highlights back and the goal it actually just looks better and better every time because it's so quick. The thinking that he does with it, he is so quick. And it's just like, he's like a little, he's just a little dancer. The way he does it and the way like you can even see in the picture, Portis is literally screaming for the ball, but he doesn't, you know, and if he had missed, okay, different story, but he doesn't. And I think it is such a good goal. He's so composed. And yeah, it is again, showing how much talent he has and, in the last few games, we've seen how much talent he has. He is, yeah, he's great. And I hope that we are able to keep him. Yeah, there might be a few Premier League sides watching in the wings, um, keeping their tabs on him. And look, we, we, know, we know Watford's a selling club, don't we, Pete? We know we're not going to keep on the Fiesta Espria for the rest of his career. Um, obviously, there's going to be bigger sides looking at him. But it, it's a message just to enjoy him whilst you've got him and, and, and just, yeah, just, yeah, just enjoy him. Well, I, I think you have to. I and mean, I've called him the Poundland Foden before because he operates in a similar kind of area. He's got, he's got similar uh, capabilities, not quite at the same level. I'm not saying that at all, but we haven't paid what you'd have to pay for Phil Foden. But he does the same role. He can do it and he can do it. He probably can do that at the Premier League level at some stage in the very near future, I would suggest. Now, yeah, we are a selling club. You know, nobody in Colombia ever, you know, kind of, grew up dreaming of playing at Vicarage Road it would have been where who what how but because of you know uh, you know uh, whatever people think of, of the pot so some of the players that we've seen gracing Vicarage Road over the last 11 years um, and I'm not a complete fan of the pot by the way here at all um, um, uh, but has been quite sublime and something that we would have never have seen before and it, it's you know even now when we are 
um, you know, toughing it out, shall we say, with a reduced budget to still have an, an Aspria coming in, to still see actually a Kone coming in and developing. Yes, we're buying them younger. Yes, we're buying them less expensively. And yes, it might take them longer to make an impact than a Richarlison, for example. But look at Yao Pedro. You buy him, you bring him in and kind of develop him and give him enough game time to be able to improve. Hopefully we could give uh, Aspria better coaching than we gave Yao Pedro because he had 101 different managers. Then they will go on to to sell and move and help develop. Hopefully, the next tranche of players that we bring in. And yes, okay, we're we are a conveyor belt of sorts. But there's been lots of clubs like that. Ajax are a selling club. You know, they do exactly the same thing. They go and bring in young players. They develop through their academy and through bringing bringing players in now from abroad. They used to just restrict it to an 80-kilometre 80, 80 area around Amsterdam, which was just ludicrous, and they still produced world beaters. And then when they went on, the next lot bought in because you have to realise that there's a commercial imperative as well. I think I, I think we can have our cake and literally eat it in this instance. And, mm. uh, you know, see, seeing some of these players coming on and going through – you know, it's, it happened before the pot. So it's Ashley Young, everybody, you know, I mean, he, he's he's got sold to basically keep the club moving, you know, kind of or to keep the club living at one stage. And the more of those we have, the better. We can just enjoy them while they're here. And uh, and, and hopefully more of more of more of this lad and uh, and hope he, he gets better and that we get the and we decide to sell at the right time rather than we did with people like Saar and Dekure, where we stopped mm. kind of kind of rolling them over um, and bringing in yet more kind of fresh faces. I, I, th- I think you can do both and you can do it both to, to bring, you know, the club up, um, you know, into the premiership. We've done it before. And then hopefully everything kind of just improves again, iteratively, iteratively. But it's going to be a long time to, to see that. And we're going to have to see what happens with our owners. So there we go. But yeah, Espria, good young lad. Yeah, hopefully we see some more great moments from Jesper for the rest of the season. I'm, I'm sure we will. He's so talented and we've seen great moments from him this season already. Um, but Katie, it finished Watford 3, Norwich City 2. Watford uh, won for the first time from coming from 2-0 down in the league since um, September 2016. Um, that was West Ham 2, Watford 4. Obviously, people have pointed out that Watford actually did turn around a 2-0 um um, a 2-0 result before and it was in the FA Cup semi-final to Wolves when we went on to win 3-2. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people was getting back to our tweet last night saying, have you forgot about the Wolves game? No, we didn't forget. We just forgot to put league game in the tweet. Um, so thanks for pointing that out, everyone. Um, but yeah, Katie, sum up that performance. It was a whirlwind um, game, wasn't it, really? It was a mixture of emotions. It was, it was a typical game for a Watford fan, maybe. Yeah, I think it was, I would say a game of two halves, but it wasn't really. It was a game of like 20 minutes and yeah. like 70 minutes. Um, I think, yeah, the first half I was thinking, oh God, like this, you're going straight off. Bake off, you got my full attention now. Like I'm not watching this. But, you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> but the, the passion and, the way that they conducted themselves after that um, going 2 nil down, never in a million years would I have thought we have won that game 3-2. Even, even with how we are now, I still didn't think that we would win that. And it was the fact that even when we got to 2-2, um, I was watching Valerian Ismail's um, Sky Sports interview afterwards and he they asked him what he said at half-time and he just said that he, told, he kept telling them that he was so proud of them and I was literally like, 
oh and he just kept saying how he was so proud and how they've done what one half of the job they've got to just complete the job and the fact that they then even went on to win the game and the second half we looked so comfortable as well I was literally like this is like watching this is like the revolution this is crazy I was like never ever would I think that this would happen even with this squad um but I think I've really not that I wasn't involved in the squad but now I'm really like wow if they can do this well we can do anything I mean if if you look if you look back to that West Ham game um, you know, we, we're talking about catalysts in this game. You go back to the, the, the Wolves game, obviously that goal from, from Jerry Delafeo is, is, was just a ridiculous moment and suddenly the game pivoted. West Ham was a little bit more like last night with that moment with Jake Livermore with the, you know, kind of, no, you're not going to do this, where Deeney rolled up his sleeves and went, no, this is not good enough. We've got to go in and, you know, kind of show show what this means. So it was good to see this younger uh, less expensive squad show that kind of character. The challenge is for them now to do that as often as they can. They're going to fall over. They're young. They will make mistakes. You know, they're 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 not perfect by any means. And we will see oppositions such as you know, uh, you know Leicester obviously last week, but also you know kind of Southampton and Ipswich who are going to kind of challenge us. But if they can slowly do what the players we've been discussing, you know, today have done and slowly iteratively improve over time, if they can also do that as a team, that really takes mm-hmm. us somewhere. I was talking to the Sunderland and and uh, uh, a Middlesbrough podcast that we kind of do the opposition view with. And one of the questions I asked them was, how, how do you think you'll feel with your team if it stayed as it was, but in two years' time, where would it be? And they were like, yeah, no, we, we, we can really see how they're developing and what they're doing. It's very easy to do that when you're, you know, you've, you're at the right end of the, uh, of the league table, as Sunderland were. Um, but for the first time last night, I thought, actually, this, this is starting to build. And maybe the Leicester game was the blip. Maybe. Maybe because we've gone six games unbeaten, Leicester was always going to be a tough trip. But we've actually reacted to not only the Leicester defeat, but also the adversity in yesterday's game. And they showed a bit of maturity. They showed a bit of, you know, a belligerence. No, you're not going to do this to us. They stood up to it. They didn't get bullied. Um, and they turned they turned it around. Yes, it was against Norwich, who are, I would suggest, who are in a, in a bit of a, a, of a trough. So that means that their next challenge is to go and do it against as, as as well as they can in performances against those other teams. Yeah, it seems with this team, I'm with you as well. I'm, I feel there's a lot more belief with this team now. And it, it's it's nice to see a team put it's in 110%. But with this team as well, I feel like there's a foundation there now. We've We've got key players in key areas of the pitch and it just seems like it just, just needs... Um, tweaking a little bit maybe in January just adding players to this now Bell's obviously got his system but it's just improving the team but I don't think it would need too much work to it and also the team spirit as well it's not the first time Watford came from behind to get points this season we did it away to Cardiff it was 1-0 down came away with a 1-1 draw okay we we know we all should have won that with Bios missing the first half but they came. They, they still came back to rescue a point. We did it with um, West Brom at home. We was two one down at home. Came back two two, and then last night as well was another great example. Coming down from two nil to three two. So we've we've got that spirit and character. And I think it's if anything, it's got more fans on board, hasn't it, Katie? After seeing last night's performance, like seeing how 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 Watford turned it around. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. 
made me feel I mean I, I felt overall especially in the last few games I felt strong about this side and happy and on board with this and I do agree that in January there could be some tweaking not too much though because I feel like there is this dynamic and you don't want to just add people in for the sake of adding them it is this it works right now and you don't want to add people who are gonna you know rock the boat a bit even if they have got I don't know better experience you don't want to bring people in who have a bad attitude um because I think that's where it all kind of lies to because we've really struggled for the last few seasons and I think it has come down to the attitude of the players and only now we're really seeing a side where the players want to play for the club they want to be there for the fans they want to get the results they want to prove everyone wrong and I think that is what gets everyone behind I remember saying at the end of last season how all I want to see is a team that tries a team that cares a team that wants to wear on the shirt and be proud and that is what I'm seeing and we're seeing week in week out it isn't oh the fluke performance here and there is consistent we are finally being consistent okay yeah the Leicester whatever is fine it was Leicester I think going forward we've got some tough games Harlow is not going to be easy on Saturday but if we can just keep going how we're doing, I don't really see how there's why there's going to be any issues. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and you've mentioned it there, whole city this weekend. Watford travel um to Humberside this weekend, uh, three o'clock kick off at Hull. Um, Watford obviously back to winning ways after the the two 0 defeat at Leicester, so it's a great reaction from the Hornets but can they keep that going at um, Hull this weekend Pete it's going to be a difficult game Liam Rossini's got a really good tune out of them he's recruited really well this summer as well I, I like his recruitment I think Philogene's absolutely top class and he's shunned for a poor Cardiff City side last season um, you could see the talent in him he's an England under 21 international he, he scored and assisted pretty much every other game this season if not every game Um what are you expecting from this game this weekend? Well, again, we had uh, we had a chat with uh, uh, a friend of ours at, uh, at Hull um, for the opposition view, and they are again they're another club who they are so very pleased the way that they are developing. You know, um, and and you know over the over the many seasons that they'd had under the Alam family, where it wasn't happy. You know, it's lovely to see a team coming out the other side, and he's you know he's kind of comments and observations were that they are they've got a frightening pace they are very good on the on attack uh sorry on, on the counter attack i should say but they're also very very good in possession and they've got they've got players who for example scott twine was a player that a lot of people quite like the look of he's not really getting getting much there you know two fan has has come has done well there but he's coming back from an injury, but they are creating an awful lot of, uh, uh, a lot of chances. The thing that they are missing more than anything, they had a lad called a stoop in Yan last year and he's gone on loan to Mets. Uh, we found out that basically they said 2 million loan fee for the year. And they went, really? Oh yeah. Okay. Go on. <laughs> um, so, so they bought in Liam Delap. They, they bought in, uh, you know, Philogene as well, which was a, a 5 million purchase with a, a 15 million buyback option from Villa. Uh, but which only start, which only kicks in, if Hull get into the same division as Villa or Villa come down 
um, they have basically kind of first refusal, but it can also go into a bidding war for him as well. So they can, you know, we'll, we'll sell him to back to you for 15 million if they want to have him. But if somebody off, offers 25 million, Villa have got to have it. So it's a really good use of this kind of uh, uh, this kind of buyback clause because it, it works really well in Hull's favour and it's got to go, you know, something's got to go extremely squirrely for it to go wrong. So, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a f- five million, we know what we were, sc- what we were spending last, last, in the last window and it was uh it, it was nothing like that kind of number um you know the the the, the honest truth of the of the thing I, i'm sure we won't find out for a little while we only found out about uh you know ben mangas uh spending the three million on uh on on ferreira so we didn't end up with uh last january we didn't end up with livermore and we didn't end up with jed spence and we didn't end up with you know another two uh premier league loanies who were supposed to come in how much? How much of that I think is 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 the narrative of the club, and how much is true? Well, you can be you can you can be your own judge on that, but it, it shows that January isn't going to be easy. I would hope that anything that they do bring in, it has to be somebody who is going to step in and be. Uh, this sounds an obvious thing. They have to be considerably better than what we have in there at the moment. There is no point bringing in people who are going to be squad players who are going because we've got we've got the squad players there are all much of a muchness. What we need is somebody who can turn out Jake Livermore style performances from last night on a, you know, kind of three out of four game basis rather than one in six, you know, individually. I, I think we might be starting to get that with Jake, hopefully, you know, we, we, we will see that'd be great, but it needs to be somebody who can be a, a, a box to box midfield player, you know, with, with both uh, strength and some power, and some, you know, physique to, to be able to get up and support the front, uh, the, the forward. Could it be a Daryl DK style forward? Daryl DK was the forward that uh, Valerian Ishmael had at both Barnsley and at West Brom, who can play with his back to goal and can also turn and power in behind as well. You know, so, you know, yet more competition, but somebody who offers you something different. That's fundamentally what we have to see. But as, as 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 Casey said, you know what you don't want to have is something that's going to come in and be disruptive, and especially in terms of personality, we've had enough of that already. Let's get some consistency, some steadiness, and some organic progressive growth. That's the most important thing in the, in this particular team uh, and that particular side. And you know, obviously, we've seen the the, the comments about um, you know Dan Backman. And and he's uh, you know trying to removing the captaincy potentially from him or at least examining that because I don't think it's I don't think it's helping him very much kind of you know coming out that that much we we may have to we may be looking at an alternative keeper at some stage in the near future but uh, you know to have some some really good proper backup for him perhaps we'll see we'll see and a, a left sided centre back maybe who knows that'll be interesting yeah it's um yeah. Hull have definitely made the most out of their recruitment this year, haven't they? Mm. They've brought in some top four players, and it's yeah, I know Watford are miles off from spending five million pounds on a player like Philogene, but yeah, Hull are very lucky, um, especially bringing in Scott Twine as well on loan from Burnley, who hit a dead ball, can't he? Um, yeah, it can find the back of a net, but let's just uh, we'll wrap it up in a second. Let's just get our score predictions quickly for our game at. Um, whole this weekend. Um, I'll come to you first, Katie. Um, I know you're traveling up there as well, aren't you? So it's back to back away games for you as well. Are you traveling up with your dad? Uh, no, I'm dragging my boyfriend there. Ah, <laughs> oh, the Leicester fan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I don't want to go by myself. 
Hull, well done. <laughs> uh, fair play, he dragged you along. To, was it Blackpool, Blackburn away for Leicester earlier in the season? No, I went, but... I went to Swansea. I went to Swansea with him. And then we got stranded there because all the trains were cancelled and we had to stay the night like in Swansea. So he, he owes me a Watford away game. <laughs> There's definitely better places, better places to stay in in the UK than Swansea. But yeah, I'm sure you had a good night. Um, but yeah, score prediction for um, Hull on Saturday. I feel like if I say we're gonna win, we'll lose. Um... <laughs> the reverse psychology, then. <laughs> I think. Oh, I think maybe like I think we could like draw like one one. Or maybe we might win one nil, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be tough, but I feel like we've we've got confidence going in. But so have they, didn't they win like four <laughs> one? Uh, John Parslow says, "Don't get stuck in Hull, Casey." I've, I've <laughs> actually done a, a weekend in Hull as well. It's it, yeah, but nightlife's not too bad to be fair. But yeah, I wouldn't recommend staying overnight there. Um, Pete, what about you? What's your score prediction? A weekend in Hull, my lord, that's that's that sounds like a, a horror show rating day, haven't? Um, <laughs> I, I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna look back at the that last block of games after the international break where we kind of drew three one three. I I think if we can come away with with anything from Hull this weekend, I think it's got to be seen as a very big positive. Um, so I'm I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at that, but I'm not I'm not looking at it as oh well it's you know it, you know we're not going to win. Hull has been for us traditionally a pretty difficult place to go and and bring back three points. So I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to go for a Desmond. I'm going to go for a two-two. Uh, so you didn't go for one-one. You you can do a one-one on this podcast. No need for that. Not when there's a Desmond as an option open to me. <laughs> <laughs> we do love a Desmond. Uh, Mike says one-one. Sorry, Pete. I know that's prediction is taken. I'll be dragging Beck to a New York bar to watch it. She doesn't know it yet, though. He says KMB <laughs> would sell. Um, I'm gonna probably go for. You know what? I will take a point away from Hull. They're, they're on form. Are they in the top six as well? They got a good victory over Rotherham last night as well so i would definitely take a point so you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that one one as well um i don't think watford score many away from home um so who's gonna score though you know what i'm gonna probably go for yasser espria again um man on form with his dancing feet um i don't think he'll take it past the keeper this time maybe he's gonna chip the keeper i'm going for a chip yeah he's gonna chip (laughs) the keeper um and then yeah he's gonna yeah just dance around him um but yeah it's a very, very precise prediction that not only the <laughs> score, but how he's going to score it. I like that very much. Yeah. And celebration. Um, tell you what, if this girl comes <laughs> off, I, I need to do the lottery or something because yeah, see the future. <laughs> but yeah, no, Pete, thank you so much for joining us tonight for me and Katie. We really appreciate it. We admire it all of your work that you do do not scratch your eyes and um, with Justin and Carl and we'll be tapping them up next to come on the voice of the Vic as well but yeah really enjoyed your insightfulness tonight and yeah we'd love to get you back on at some point my pleasure thank you very much I'm sure I'm sure the lads would uh, would love to kind of spread our our normal gospel of chaos and stupidity again more of the same yeah 
Definitely, and we might have to put out some swearing warnings for Cole as well because we know what Cole's like. Um, um, and, uh, Justin will be all right. We, I don't think he swears too much, does he? So, yeah, just Cole, we just need to look out for it. But, yeah, no, thank you, everyone, for watching tonight. Thank you for getting involved in the comment section as well. Um, if, you, if you like the video, hit that like button and also hit that subscribe button as well. Um, Mike wants us to get us the fifth 500 still before Christmas. It's not happening. We're only on 420, but that was his aim at the start of the season. So we've gone up a little bit, but... We might get there one day. Um, but, yeah, we will be back Sunday evening to do a preview. Uh, not a preview. We'll do a review of the, the whole City game this weekend. Um, so, Katie, safe journeys up there. And everyone else that's travelling up to Hull this weekend. And come on, you horns. Sports Social Podcast Network.